Time now for Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN. The 2-2. Swing and a miss. Unbelievable. Adam Wainwright goes the distance and he's getting better with age. Nine strikeouts. Seven in a row to finish off the Brewers. He goes the distance. Four to two of the final. Ace, stud, number one, and should be in the Cy Young conversation. He won't win it, I don't think, but should be in the Cy Young conversation. Welcome into Scoops with Danny Mack. My visit with Greg Brown is coming up. He is the broadcaster. Hopefully we're going to get him on the phone with the Pittsburgh Pirates and preview what's happening in Pittsburgh. And uh, this is Scoops with Danny Mack. Now, that is what an ace does. He's a future Cardinal Hall of Famer. I do think he's going to come back and pitch next year because he's got a fire to compete. There's nobody in the stadium. Cardinals needed a win, and he goes out and gives you a complete game. He's 39. He's the oldest player in the National League. Guy's a stud, and he's had a hell of a year. Just competed so hard yesterday. Well, you know, I mentioned the games that they have needed him. The Cardinals had the 17-day layoff. He's the first guy that gets the ball, which got my attention. I thought at that time, why is Mike Schilt giving him the ball? Why wouldn't you go with maybe one of the younger guys? Well, he's a stud, okay? Because he'll show the way maybe. And Mike was right. He gave you five innings that time. The Cardinals had lost four straight. Who did he go to? Adam Wainwright gave you nine innings. Nine innings on that Sunday. Cardinals were a dead flat team at that point. Then it was game one of a doubleheader at Wrigley. And the Cardinals were kind of chasing at that time. They're in second place, going back and forth with the Cubs. What's he do? He gives you six and a third. So he pitches into the seventh. Almost gave you a complete game in game one of that doubleheader. Then you had the blowout of the night before. And what does he do in game one? He shoves it. You know where for the Brewers. I mean, my, awesome. my goodness, Dan, I'm watching that game yesterday. It's like Adam Wainwright gives up the two runs in the first. And just like all the other starts after that, he dominates. It seems like every single time he's given up a run or two, but then he's zeroed in and just dominated nine strikeouts tied a season high yesterday. There are times when, especially last year, if let, let's say if you were in the seventh or the eighth and Christian Yelich is coming up and runners on, and I'd say, well, if I'm Mike Schild, I got to look at the bullpen here. I got to go to my lefty. There was nobody else I wanted at that time. Then Adam Wainwright to face Christian Yelich. So it's the fifth inning of a seven-inning game. This is the game on the line. This was it right here. I thought if he gets Yelich, he's going to win. So what happened? He stayed with Adam Wainwright. That's too bad the game. Um, you know, probably as well. You know, like I said, the wall or see gets on. And then... Um, you just see Wayno bear down, and you know he's got a plan, and it's just a matter of him executing his stuff. And um, he made a he made a quality pitch and got him to hit ball on the ground second base, and it was obviously a big part of the game. Then he just just brought it home from there. Thanks. Yes, sir. Thank you. And that's what happens. So he gets out of that jam. He goes the distance, sets down the final seven in a row, nine strikeouts for the ball game. Adam Wainwright picks up the victory. So Wainwright then, after the game, was asked about what is the starter's responsibility. You know, that's part of the starter's responsibility is uh, answering the call, answering the bell when, when the team needs you to do something. And so, 
you know, if you treat a start like today different than another start, then you're not treating your other starts with enough importance. I mean, every time I take them out, I feel like the team needs me to go deep. So much the same like always. Start. So if I'm Jack Flaherty, I'm Johan Oviedo, I'm Dakota Hudson, and it's 2020. I got to look at that guy and say, how is he doing it? Number one, physically, how is he doing it? What's he doing that I'm not doing? Because I'm throwing 95. I got a nasty slider or I got a great sinker or I'm just physically gifted. I'm, I'm 23, 24 years old. How is he doing it physically? But secondly, the mentality that Wainwright has right now, and he understands the responsibility that, hey, we're in doubleheader city right now because that's all we're dealing with in 2020. I've got to get through five. I got to get through six. I got to find a way to get through seven. The guy's a stud, man. He's had an unbelievable year, and whatever accolades come his way this season, he deserves them. He has had a great, great season. So good on Adam Wainwright. He's done a fantastic job. Fantastic. So the Cardinals take on the Milwaukee, or rather the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates tonight. Ah, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Well, it's been a fairly tough year for the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Pirates right now... This is a team that has the lowest batting average, lowest on-base percentage, lowest slugging percentage in baseball. It's five games. Five games. Got to take care of business here. Then you go on to take on Mike Matheny's Kansas City Royals. Not a great team. So you got eight games left before you come home. Then you have the five with Milwaukee. And then you may have two with Detroit that will figure out seeding, whether or not the Cardinals get in. But that's where the Cardinals are right now. 65780, that's the text line if you want to get to us and talk about what's happening with the lineup, what you would do in the outfield, whatever the case may be. We'll visit with Greg Brown. That's next on 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. 1020 in St. Louis. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. One of my favorite people to visit with over the years is Greg Brown. He is the longtime play-by-play voice of the Pittsburgh Pirates. And when I visit with Greg Brown, I usually solve the world's problems and that's the best part and then we and then we call baseball greg how you doing man <laughs> danny I'm, I'm doing okay hanging in there miss you i miss wish, you uh, wish i was in the ballpark to see you i miss you too uh it's been a, a tough year on everyone clearly but it's been a really tough year on the pittsburgh pirates it's in terms of wins and losses uh how would you try to sum up what's happening right now with the pittsburgh pirates Oh man, uh, that that's that's a tough call because, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, given the circumstances of, of of where we are in the world uh, and, and in the sports world and, and baseball in particular, I I, I find it hard to uh, believe that any team has had it tougher uh, than than the Pirates, and of course, the record would uh, would uh, indicate that, Danny. Uh, it's just been it's just been bad. It's, there's just no way to sugarcoat it. I, I heard a local sports guy yesterday had a uh, one of our guys on Bob Walk, one of our broadcasters locally, and they they hung up the phone and they said, you know, guys, basically it's a disaster. Now I would say last year was a disaster, uh, this, in particular the second half, because there were some some even off field incidents that that took place that were. Uh, uh, really awful. Uh, the, the pirate closer got in some some in a bad way. Went to prison. I mean, it was just everything fell apart. There, there, there was infight. Literally a fight that cost Kyle Crick the setup man the last six weeks of the season because he punched uh, another player. 
it was just awful. So what, what, what you have here is you've got a, a building process. You've got a new uh, president, a new general manager, a new manager. And I think that they're just trying to find out what they have in the organization. And uh, there have been some injuries in addition to the COVID thing. And uh, it's just gone bad. Josh Bell has, has had a terrible 40 games. He's, he's coming around recently. Brian Reynolds, who was the, the talk of, of, of Pittsburgh, if not the, the National League much of last year and was in the Rookie of the Year conversation, uh, can't get out of the one, I think, 70 mark. Um, the, the pitching has been uh, less than stellar, to say the least. So uh, the, the, the good part is, Danny, that we're seeing some young guys like, like Key Brian Hayes came up September the 1st. And already, Nolan Arenado aside, is probably the best defensive third baseman in the league, if not baseball. He is an absolute joy to watch, and uh, he plays the game right. He's hitting the ball harder. In fact, he's hitting the ball harder than any player in the league uh, since, since he's, he's been called up. Uh, he, he's a, a, a true pleasure, and the bullpen's been pretty decent, considering um, other than that, uh, we're, we're, we're struggling and, and – uh, anxious to, to begin looking forward to, to 2021 when things get back to normal. No question. How about Derek Sheldon? He, he's a area guy. He, he's from the Illinois side, Carbondale, Illinois. And um, what's it been like for him in this first year in this crazy season of 2020? The, the tough part for us, Danny, is that we didn't, we have not got a chance, of course, nor has anyone to, to interact with him. We did in spring training and we got the chance to see, why he garnered such respect throughout baseball even before his first big league job. I mean, we were going around in spring training down in Florida, and people were unsolicited coming up to us without being provoked and telling us what a great guy he is. You're going to love him. And uh, it, it didn't take long for, for us and the players to feel that. Uh, the, the, the clubhouse atmosphere was tremendous. No longer were we walking on eggshells when we walked into that clubhouse. People were just... Uh, being themselves, uh, having fun, a lot of smiles. And I, I said uh, to, to our radio network affiliates when we were doing reports down there and people asking about predictions for the season, and I said, you know, this team may lose 100. It may win 100. I don't know. I do know it'll be the most fun I've had in a long time watching this team, calling the games, and being around the manager and the coaching staff and the players. Uh, and unfortunately, that came to an abrupt halt, halt uh, in, in mid-March. But you still feel it, even even though it's from afar. You still feel like the players have great respect for them. They like them. They're still enjoying playing. Um, you know, I got to the point to be quite honest with you. When this team was winning games uh, toward the end of that run, the the, the, the three year run they had in the postseason, that even though they were winning, I'm not sure they're having much fun winning. Um, so now they're they're they really still appear to be, even though they're they're losing. Uh, they're 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 working hard. They're not getting blown out. They are involved in in almost every game. You take a look and you'll you'll see that. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with Shelton. He still has, I think, you know, the the, the learning curve. He it's a it's a an inexperienced coaching staff. Aside from Glenn Sherlock, who works with the uh, catchers, I mean, Oscar Marine's a first year pitching coach. The bench coach Don Kelly, a local guy, but first year for him. And so I think they are learning the ropes in the big leagues. And maybe it's a blessing in that regard that uh, that they're having this kind of a season. I, 
I said at the beginning of the year, regardless of who wins the, the divisions and who goes to the playoffs, and it's all well and good and it's great. I'm just glad they're playing. I still believe it's an asterisk season. Uh, there's no getting around the 60 games. Uh, so maybe because of that, maybe it's a good thing that uh, you know, we're able to experience what we're experiencing with the Pirates, that uh, there are no fans there. So you, you know, I'm sure they're disgusted watching uh, the losing. Um, but but uh, maybe understanding that if you're going to have a bad year, uh, this is a, this is a good time to have a bad year. Isn't that the truth? Greg Brown is our guest, and that's the uh, Pirates' longtime play-by-play voice, and it's the first of five, uh, the Pirates and the uh, Cardinals tonight. I want to go back to Key Brian Hayes. That's the son of Charlie Hayes. I've heard just amazing things about him. You touched upon it just briefly. How good is this young man, the top prospect for the uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates? You know, uh, John Wayner said the other day uh, off the air, he goes, you know, he's got the look of, and Wayner played with, and he said, I'm not comparing him by any stretch, and, and nor am I, <laughs> to Barry Bonds. Uh, but he has this, this, this comfortable look, almost like, uh, and you'll, you'll see it, I'm sure you will, Dan, uh, in, in this series, when we have a close-up of him. When he's in the dugout, just... It, not not only is he not overwhelmed, he's only he's almost underwhelmed by it all. <laughs> and uh, those it, are the son of players, man, aren't they? I, they they they've been yeah. around it. They know how to do it. Yeah, uh, I guess that's it. He's been around. I mean, Neil Walker to a degree had that look, but but even Neil would admit he doesn't have this talent. Um, you know, his dad played in the big leagues, and it just yes, he certainly has been around it. So it's just not. Even though he's just 23, this is his first taste in the big leagues, and he does everything right. I mean, fundamentally, everything. He can run, he can hit the ball hard, and I don't know what kind of an offensive player he's going to be. He's the second player in baseball history to win three consecutive minor league gold gloves. And I said this the other night, and I, I, I've said it now a couple times on the air, Dan, and I'm sure people are going to start getting sick of it, but I'm going to keep repeating it. I can't help myself. I remember when Tony LaRusa talked about Scott Rowland, and, and I thought it was so strange. He said that he would buy a ticket just to watch Scott Rowland take ground balls at third, and that stuck with me, and I've not seen anything like it since this moment. And as I watch uh, Key Brian Hayes, I keep thinking to myself, it's a shame people can't come out and watch batting practice and watch him take some ground balls, and now as we're watching these games, when a ball is hit to the left side, and it's especially true, of course, when we're, when we're doing road games, and uh, with no disrespect to some of the directors around baseball, uh, some are better than others. Uh, <laughs> and and, and you know, sometimes we, we get late looks when a ground ball is hit. We know it's hit to the left side, but we don't know exactly, you know, is it foul? Is it at the third baseman? Is it at the shortstop? Uh, and, and so as soon as the ball's hit, I'm... I find myself being anxious, hoping that that ball's hit toward Key Brian Hayes. And uh, it, it's, it, I, again, and I said it uh, the other night, I said, I, I, now I know what Tony LaRusso was saying when he mentioned this about Scott Rowland, and I said, I would now pay to watch this guy play defense and take ground balls over there. He's, there was a bunt play the other day against the, uh, oh, heck, the Royals. Uh, it was Mitt, uh, Whit Merrifield, and he tried to bunt for a hit. And apparently, uh, again, 
because uh, we, we were limited in, into what we can see in terms of the field. We didn't know whether Hayes was playing back at third, uh, near the bag. We didn't know. But but Merrifield tries to drop down a bunt and he, for, at third base. It's a really good bunt. And uh, the camera switches to now Hayes barehanding the ball and throwing to first. And he gets him out, and, and, and we thought it was a really nice play. We didn't realize that he was playing back. We didn't realize that uh, apparently he just started to creep because he saw Merrifield take a quick glance that way. So he started to creep in. So his momentum was started to take him toward, not that he was, again, walking, just kind of a, 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 a creep toward, third, toward, toward the plate. Merrifield then gets a hit his next time up, and he's at first base with Josh Bell. And he said, I'll never do that again. And Bell said, what do you mean? He said, if we ever, you know, when we play you guys again, I'll never try to bunt that way because I cannot believe he got me out. I've never seen that before. Uh, he just, he, he's got an incredible presence. He's a tremendous third baseman already. And baseball in, in the not-too-distant future will be talking about him and gold gloves uh, as we go along here. So he's really a, a, a great hope for the Pirates' future. He's, he's already... He's already the best player the Pirates have since September the 1st. That's amazing. And I'll wrap it up with this, too. And he's also in the middle of the lineup. So it's not like it's a young kid and they're saying, well, let's put him down in the bottom of the lineup and make sure the pressure isn't on. He's in the middle of the lineup, right? Well, yeah, he started out hitting, I think, sixth or seventh his first couple games. Uh, and that took maybe a week. And now for then for five games, he hit third. And the last couple games, Shelton put him in the two-hole because he wanted – uh, Moran to get at least one at bat in the first inning because the offense has just really struggled. Moran's been, uh, he was out for a week because of a concussion and, and slow to return in terms of getting his timing back, but it seems to be back now. So he wants those guys, uh, Hayes and Moran, to get a first inning at bat. So yeah, uh, <laughs> right away, Shelton puts him in a, in, in a position knowing he's, again, not overwhelmed at all and he's not going to change his approach he's going to continue to hit the ball hard and be, uh, again, a really smart ball player and someone that you want uh, up there in the first inning and and very much a part of the offense early on. Hey, Brownie, great to hear your voice. Miss seeing you, my man, and hopefully we'll uh, be able to see each other next summer. Thanks for I doing sure this. I look forward to it, Danny. Me too. Thanks for doing this. Thanks Appreciate it. Okay. You Thanks. got it. That's uh, Greg Brown, longtime broadcaster of the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. And again, the uh, Pirates and the Cardinals. You can see all five games this weekend on Fox Sports Midwest. This is 101 ESPN. Um, we can get to some of those text messages. Uh, I was told that, you know, Scott now being a full-time guy, he's like, hey, I want to get to some of the questions. That's what you said. You were all over me about this. That's what I said. All right, we'll do that. We'll do it next on 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Just heard your uh, sports update. Uh, I liked it. We got Big Ten football. Yeah, how about that? Big Ten football coming back, but no margin for error. You know, you think about, and Big Ten football apparently is going to have testing every day, correct? Yes. Every day. Every day. But no margin for error, meaning that if there's an outbreak, they're playing eight straight weeks. So where other teams have a little bit of the uh, open dates, like the SEC, I think, has some open dates, correct? 
Yeah, they they, well, they'll, they'll have more breathing room regardless. That's what I mean. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's going to be tough to do. I don't know if they can pull that one off, but they do have the daily testing. I am happy to see that they're playing football. You know, I what, have, I've, you know what I found interesting is that you've heard all of these different schools talk about how many cases that they've had. You know, Ed Orgeron said over half their roster, almost everybody in their team has contracted it. And now we're here in the middle of September. And we've had multiple weeks of college football, and we haven't really heard about the cases that have happened from the games. It's a good sign. I don't know how public that can be, though, through privacy laws on some of those school with some of those schools. You can't say what you know, player X, player Y, player Z, that kind of thing. Um, I'm encouraged to see sports come back because I make a living off of sports, so I'm biased in that regard. I just want it to be done properly, safely, carefully. And fingers crossed for the health of everyone involved. I, I'd look at it logistically, eight weeks with no time off. I'm not sure you can pull that off. If there's an outbreak, you can't play, well, period. And, and Dan, you've mentioned uh, it before about right now about the players' names not being able to be released for these college teams. We talk about the gambling here a little bit. You know, with FanDuel, if you're looking at a game for this weekend and you don't know if their starting quarterback could be out, I mean, how does that affect all of that? I mean, there's a lot, a lot of variables. Promo code WXOS so that you know I sent you on FanDuel Paradise. Uh, Let's see. Danny Mac, love the show. What's your rotation for 2021? I'm going to assume that Wainwright is coming back. There's no reason to think that he wouldn't or the Cardinals don't want him back with what's happened this year. So I'm going to assume that he is coming back. Um, so I'm going Wayno, and this is in no particular order as one through five. These are just my five. I can go Wayno. I've got Hudson. I've got Jack Flaherty. I've got Miles Michaelis healthy enough to pitch. And I've got Kim. Kim is in my rotation. So you're saying, where's Carlos Martinez? Carlos Martinez right now would be on the outside looking in for me. Um, I've seen plenty out of Kim, and I love having a rotation that features a left-hander. I like Kim in the rotation as opposed to being in a bullpen. Um, Martinez maybe goes to my bullpen, and depending on what I need to do in the offseason, who knows if he's here or not. That's where I'd go. Uh, Let's see. Let's go to some other things here. Hey, Danny Mack, instead of... Arenado or Lindor, do you think moving to Young to third and signing Gregorius or Jack Peterson, the outfield makes more logical moves? I do think you have to go out and find an outfielder that has big league experience to protect yourself. So I like that part. I don't like moving to Young out of shortstop. I don't think he gets enough credit for how well he plays defensively, sabermetrically. He sh- he shows that he's got range. He may not be the flashiest of guys. Made a flashy play yesterday. But he's fine defensively at short. I'm not moving him from short. And also, part of that then is where do you play Tommy Edmond? So if you move Paul DeYoung from short to third, where where am I playing Tommy Edmond? I want Tommy Edmond to play. Now, you could say Tommy Edmond could be your Ben Zobrist and he's playing in the outfield one day and he's playing second base to give Wong a breather and then he's playing short and then he's out and left. I, I get it. But Tommy Edmond has got to play. So he's got to play somewhere. And are we looking at outfield contracts, too? If you're talking about signing a veteran, would the deal, you think, be more close to like what Dexter Fowler got in terms of salary and length or more close to like what Brad Miller got in shortness? I'd have to look at who's out there. I, I don't know. And I also think the landscape business wise for everybody is different. Everybody's been hit by COVID differently business wise. So it's different. Um, but I'd be fine on a one year deal bringing guys back. I would look at my outfield saying Dexter Fowler is a given. Um, was hitting the ball fine, and he's in the final year of his deal. I always think guys are highly motivated in the final year of a deal 
Dexter, me, you, anybody off the street. I don't care who you are. You're highly motivated. Um, I'm, I'm a big believer in Dylan Carlson. I understand that he, he struggled. He's 21 years old. I'm fine with that. If Bader hits 230, 240, I'm okay with that. He, he can play elite defense. Just get him to that 240 mark. I'm okay with that. But then having a veteran come off the bench and be able to play outfield that's been there before. A Jock Peterson be fine. Someone like that. So I have a given that's there in case one of these guys falters. I'm all right with that too. So I'm giving myself options in case someone falters. That's the direction I go. And someone was texting in from the 636 about asking about Dylan Carlson's service time. You want to explain that? Well, it's a shortened season. Yeah, he's gotten what the prorated service time is in a truncated season. So did this year count? No, it doesn't count for a full year. No. So his his clock will officially start in 2021. Correct. Well, his no, his clock starts this year. So he started after the allotted time for this year. So they held him back. They didn't bring him up. That was the allotted time. And now it's so he's. He's the Chris Bryant example. If that's what they're asking, he's the Chris Bryant example without getting too technical. No, that's perfect. I think yeah. that's exactly what the uh, texter was looking for. This one comes in from the 314. Do you think Carlson, Fowler, and Bader would be a serviceable outfield next year? And that's second, what I just asked right, or answered. The, the follow-up question for him was, would you have a fantasy outfield of who you would like to grab for somebody else as an additional piece? Again, I'd have to see who's out there, but I... To the general question, I want a given. I want a given of somebody that has been in the big leagues in the outfield. So if someone falters, I feel comfortable coming out of spring training with someone that has played the position. This one from the 314. Danny Mack, you've been really high on Austin Gomber. Do you think he gets a chance at a rotation spot? Yes, that's another one. I should have I should have thrown that in there too. I am high on Austin Gomber. I, I think he's... I. Uh, He could be a high-leverage lefty coming out of the pen, your Andrew Miller type. I feel comfortable with that. I'd like to see him be more efficient in the strike zone. Now, again, 2020, all bets are off because things are wacky. Um, But I love him as a starter. I think he's got good stuff, really good stuff. Um, So, yeah, have him come in, compete as a starter. He makes the team one way or another. He's too valuable of an arm. Um, But, yes, in most if not all teams, he'd be in the rotation. Cardinals have had very... If the Cardinals didn't get hit by COVID, um, he would have been in the rotation, I think. There would have been a very good chance he'd be in the rotation. I really believe that. Do you think Lane Thomas is ever going to get another chance up here with the, the Cardinals outfield? Not the way that he played. He was timid. Now, I don't know if it was because maybe he was not feeling well. I don't know. I mean, I'm not privy to go down there and, and talk to him, but he was very timid. Dropped a ball the other day in right. Um, did not look like he was catching up to a fastball. Did not play to his potential. I've seen him play way better than what he was playing. So um, he's got to play better than what he played. That's that's not going to cut it up here. From the 636, Danny Mack loved the call on the Tyler O'Neill home run yesterday. Are you excited to see his bat start getting back going? Well, sure. Yeah, they need somebody. I, I, I'm looking at this game by game. If you hit, you play. If you don't hit, you sit. It's that easy. All right, we'll cross it over. Ribs and BK next on 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Ribs and BK, uh, they're coming up. 
So this is on the text line. Good morning, Danny Mac. You said Lane Thomas shouldn't get another chance. Let's clarify that. Another chance this year. Yeah. He got He got the run. I don't think I, he's he's overmatched this year. And you got a little runway. So, no, he's been sent down. And I I want to clarify. No, not this year. Didn't look right. And I don't think you can go into next year expecting him to be a starter for you. No. Like, maybe he's a fourth outfielder. Maybe, maybe. he makes your opening day roster. But I don't... I, I think you have learned kind of what you needed to learn this year about him, and I think to an extent about Tyler O'Neill. I don't think Tyler O'Neill should go into next season as a as a guaranteed starter either. I want to find a given coming from the offseason somewhere, uh, just a fallback, whatever, but a guy that has had major league experience to fall back on. I would I'm like to see that. your thoughts on this. Um, I mentioned George Springer earlier this week, and sure. I know the trash cans, I get it. Um, looking at, at his home road splits, they they don't exist. He's as good on the road as he is at home, and that's been the case for years now. So I don't think that's a huge concern with him, but he seems to make a ton of sense. Obviously, we got to figure out what the revenue situation looks like, but he, that's, he would be an awesome fit for that outfield. That's the number one thing. Where where are all teams, where is baseball in budgets, revenue, all of it? Will you have fans in the stands? Where are you coming out of this season? I mean, that's, you know, fans don't want to hear that stuff primarily, I don't think, but that's where teams are. You don't know. You know, are you going to have 50% capacity? Will you get fans in the stands halfway through? Can you get 25% capacity? I mean, the budgets of what you're trying to run right now, I guarantee you they're happening for everybody. You know, what? where are we? In, in every April. business. It's happening every, in our business right now. But, I you mean, know, you like, think about when your your business is predicated on the fact that you you need people in the seats and you're not sure, and you're running every type of spreadsheet known to man, and, okay, we if we get that, we got this amount of money coming in, that amount of money coming in, this is what we have here, this is what we have here, this makes it for these. I mean, it's it's massive. So it really does change the dynamic of what you do or don't do in the off season. It's very hard. I'll be interested to see what they decide to do. I will also be interested to see how the expanded postseason plays into some of these decisions. Because the Cardinals are already a good team, and we can see based on what they've done this season. You could make the playoffs with the expanded postseason if there's eight teams in each league with the roster that you have right now. Does it change some of the urgency? And being hit by COVID with 17 (laughs) days and playing, you know, all these double... I mean, it's human nature. These guys are, are... they're worn out. I mean, I, I, it's funny, not funny, but I mean, I, I see what you don't see during commercial breaks. Okay. So I see when guys take the field and it's kind of like the cartoon where the, the tongues are hanging out to the <laughs> dragging their feet drag. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> you just kind of see guys, the glove hanging right. barely. You can see guys. I mean, they're, they're tired, you know, but Hey, it's big boy stuff. And this is what it is in 2020. So no excuses. They've got the pirates tonight. You got to take three or five in this series. And then you, you know, hopefully come out of Kansas City with one win at least and then you got to be better than that you would like to got to be better than you, that you would like to think <laughs> Coming too from the Royals fan too Dan okay I, i've seen this Royals team they they have, have to too. get more than one win <laughs> but my point is you, then you you're set up though then to be head to head with Milwaukee and your fate is in your hands at Bush Stadium next week it's that simple yep it's that simple and then you've got the two games with Detroit and it may come down to those two games which is the the tentative schedule of those, those are the two. COVID games, right? Right. Those We're are the, call those the COVID bonus games. Well, we've had a lot of those bonus games. <laughs> yes, yeah, but have. those are the two. It's going to come down to those two, maybe. You know, Cincinnati and Milwaukee. The Cardinals, really, you look at it, are in maybe the best position because they have games in hand. Yeah, and as opposed to the other teams, they've got the Royals and the Pirates, which certainly that's right. Helps. That's right. Those so, games are huge. What do you guys got coming up? 
Coming up at 11.30, we've got my guy Benny Heiss. He's going to join us to get everybody ready for the fantasy football and gambling weekend of the NFL. A.J. Hawk, former NFL linebacker, is going to join us at noon. And I want to get Joey Vitale's impression of a big move that the Blues made yesterday. How about that? Hiring an assistant coach uh, that comes with quite the background of being a heck of an NHL coach. So we'll talk with him about that coming up at 1 o'clock. Awesome. Looking forward to it. This is 101 ESPN. You have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, Scoops with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN.